I think fundamentally we we do have a vision of what this podcast is about where it's just us talking about life about art about sex about food about news about all the shit that kind of like riles us up or humors us or or just gets us talking and uh you know that's every episode will be different um what did you say say it again later this week with coco and fran that was my bite i needed that oh (laughs) (laughs) but i made it sound like a question later this week with coco and fran later this week with coco and fran with coco and fran Hello. Hello. Hi. How are you? Good. Thanks. How are you? I'm okay. My um, <clears throat> my day is going well. Is it? Mm-hmm. I appreciate your call. Well, you know, I like to check up on my friends. Mm, I'm a friend now. Aren't you? Well, I never thought that I made your list. Oh, you do. Okay. Great. So, <clears throat> you know, I guess this is a really interesting episode in the sense that you and I have been talking about doing a, uh, an episode that um, involves current events, topics, things that are happening. I find that I listen to so many podcasts that I'm not going to name names, but there's so many podcasts out there that you and I are discussing um, recently or were discussing And um, so many of them are just going on as business as usual. And there's just so much happening in the world right now. Yes. I think that, um, I think a lot of people also feel, or what I've observed, especially on Instagram, for example, people kind of jump on that bandwagon of whatever social cause that's going on. And they do their, you know, part five minutes of it whatever it is and then they kind of move on um but a lot of these issues are not you know something that just happens once in a blue moon they're these are ongoing issues that have plagued people uh certain groups um for hundreds of years it's not just a a recent development it just happens to be um, more, more prevalent or more not prevalent. I guess people are finally waking up. Yeah. You know, so it's, uh, it's important to constantly have that dialogue. It's not something that, um, is going to go away. Um, Mm -hmm. there's Mm -hmm. that dialogue needs to keep going. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, for me too, the second part to what you're saying is I feel like I'm like, you know, I'm an Italian dude. Like, I don't, I don't really know a lot of what is happening to other people. I mean, I know about it. I just don't experience it. So I can't speak from experience. I can only speak from perception. And perception is, you know, no different than going to a job interview to become a plastic surgeon. And you're like, well, I kind of know what it's like to be a doctor, but I've had no experience. So that's how I feel. But but it was interesting because today, one of the things I want to share is that I felt like you and I were in this place 
where we just couldn't keep walking forward without noticing what was happening. And I think this episode is really our way to notice what's happening. So I just want to read this quote that I really thought was pertains to our show. Um, and it is uh, a quote by Alice Walker. And um, it is, uh, I think it pisses God off if you walk past the color purple in a field somewhere and you don't notice it. So that was kind of like where I was coming from. I kind of thought like, we can't keep doing what we do because, you know, you know, is, are we doing a million dollar podcast? No, but, but I certainly believe that we have this privilege to speak even for, you know, the six people, the 15 people, the 87 people, the 2 million people who listen to the show. I don't watch the numbers like you do. <laughs> well, you know, I gotta, I gotta well, keep, keep yeah. up with that stuff. <laughs> Well, well, you're also part, you know, you know, you have a major part in creating this show and you also have a major part in the production. So I completely understand that. I mean, one day we'll do an episode about our roles. We'll talk to everybody about our roles. I'm going to show you my roles. I, <laughs> I, I, got, I, have... <laughs> I got lots of roles, too. <laughs> but... Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I seriously, I really thought about that when I saw that quote, because that quote has been in my life for a long time. And um, I really thought that that was pertinent to what we're doing. But today is a special show because um, not only are we going to dive into some topics and, you know, try not to bore you by bringing on someone who can actually speak about those topics, but we did not. I mean, I remember saying to you, like, oh, I have this idea for this guest and they were on my wish list. And you were like, it was you who said this because I know you hate to take credit for things. But <laughs> you were the one who was like, <clears throat> you know, it sounds like she should be a guest host. And I was like, wow, that's a great idea. So this is kind of like our first guest host. Yeah, and I'm really excited about this because I think... Um... Uh, to to have that representation, that voice, because y you and I do come from a a, a place of privilege. Uh, even me, as someone who is Middle Eastern, who has experienced some on a very minimal level uh, form of racism, it's not nearly. <laughs> It's it's a drop in the pan mm -hmm. compared to what others have experienced. So I I can I can't I can't speak to that. So mm -hmm. it it's important to have that representation. Um and and I'm really I'm really excited to to hear our guest, um our our, our co-host, uh her her perspective on things, her background, all of that stuff. I think it's going to be really informative and and I'm excited. Mm -hmm. Well, she's waiting in the wings. So uh, why don't you uh, kind of let the listeners, listeners, they can't even speak. Listen, <laughs> I'm, I'm so nervous about her being here because she's so good. Um, <clears throat> let's uh, tell the listeners who this person is. So her name is Morgan Reed. She lives in Atlanta with her husband and five-year-old daughter. She has worked in healthcare 
for the past 10 years now, specifically in organ donation and transplant. And she will be beginning law school in the fall to get a master's of science in jurisprudence with a concentration in hospital and health law to leverage her advocacy for black and brown communities uh, that face healthcare discrimination. And I think that's absolutely amazing. Um, you know, use that. This is, this is, this is important. And if you could use your background in some way, that's, that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely. And I can't wait, can't wait to hear. Okay. So she's waiting. So, uh, Let's bring her on. Are you there? Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi, Morgan. Hi. How are you, Colleen? Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. I'm good, thanks. How are you? I am well. Hi, Frank. Francesco Palladino. I'm well. How are you? Uh, on this show, you can call us Coco and Fran. <laughs> Coco and Fran. And I'm gonna I like call, it. I'm going to call you Morgan. That's fine. You're hilarious. <laughs> So, so we kind of, um, we started out um, just, I don't know how much you could hear, but we started out the intro just kind of, you know, talking about um, how this show is going to be different and how we needed to like move forward with talking about topics that are happening because really the inspiration for this was a lot of the podcasts we're listening to these days really omit what's that sound oh my god you can hear a sound i'm sorry we can hear everything we're in the studio i mean is that toilet paper what is that no no i ripped a piece of paper <laughs> oh snap you know what let me I mean, i'm gonna i'm gonna okay let me do nothing i'm so sorry <laughs> yeah you, know, you are you are a fucking mess morgan <laughs> This is on trend because we had another we had another person that we've recorded with. It hasn't aired yet, but they too did something that was pretty funny. Yeah. No, I'm like, oh snap! I'm so sorry. Yeah, we we heard um, we had a guest on once who we just heard this constant clicking for about three minutes, and Colleen and I were looking at each other, going like, what is that? And all of a sudden, we realized that she was trying to get the volume right on her phone. <laughs> And I can't even like mute you for like a second. No, you can't. You're live, girl. I know, because now I'm like stepping outside so that I really make sure. You know oh what I want to tell you? Just off topic for people who don't follow you. <clears throat> I really love your fazolettos that you wear on your head. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. You know, the Italians call it fazoletto. Now, if you look up Fazoletto online, it says that it's a handkerchief, but really, it's not real. That's not really like a good translation because a Fazoletto in Italian is like really like a sophisticated type of silky Hollywood Sophia Loren type of cloth. So okay. uh -huh. that's why. Fazoletto. Very nice. Yes. That's Commonly known in the black community as a head wrap. <laughs> mm -hmm. nice. Nice. Sure. so i like it i like it thank you very much yeah you look gorgeous you look gorgeous you're so sweet um, thank you so you know you know we're talking about what's going on and um one of the things that colleen and i talk about a lot because you know we have these extended phone conversations which sometimes should be recorded um but we were talking recently about so much of what's being changed with TV and 
you know, grocery store syrup and statues mm-hmm. and things that are being taken down. And, you know, I just wanted to get like your perspective on how so much of what we've known to be like, you know, everyone just walking past a white guy on a horse and being like, oh, that's a cool statue. But now we're kind of seeing things differently. What are your thoughts on like the change that's happening right now? I think it's great. You know what I mean? Like right now there's this um, incredible growth of consciousness. People are wanting to learn. They're researching. And I think people, I don't think people are over the bullshit. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you have all of these different um, cultures that, you know, people that come to America, whether it's um, people that immigrated here or, um, you know, you have black people that, you know, our ancestors are slaves and now we're really starting to pay attention. And let me, I should just say that it's not that everyone is just starting to pay attention there are leagues of people that have been woke. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But now again, that there's this super growth of consciousness surrounding um, or the, you know, there's these uh, killings like George Floyd that are the catalyst for these conversations and these protests. Um, people are just over it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we're not yeah. falling for the okie doke anymore. We have mm-hmm. assimilated into American culture. We have been force fed, um, history that's not true or history that's inaccurate denied our own uh cultural heritage and take them down Mm -hmm. take them down or like when you look at uncle ben or um aunt jemima you know really taking a a dive into what do those symbols mean what do they represent where did they stem from whether aunt jemima changed over the years or not the um, premise or the genesis of said uh, character is based off of white supremacist theory. You know, she was the mammy, right? Mm-hmm. In um, old time films, it's not a character with high regard. So yeah. I say do away with it all, but I think in all of it, that's not necessarily what black people are asking for we're happy that it's happening some of us could care less that it's happening um what black people want to see is real change Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what i mean so it's like yay take down that white guy on a horse fantastic yes Mm -hmm. take aunt jemima off of the syrup bottle okay fantastic pull that episode of whatever fuck shit show (laughs) you know what i mean like but the 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 real premise is What are you doing to humanize blackness? What are you doing to make sure that we live Mm -hmm. in the same way that white people live? What are you doing to make sure that we have equal rights? Because really that's what people are asking for. How can we get in on some of that equality? Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's just from my own perspective and certainly I know you long enough where you'll tell me if I'm wrong, but I really think that a lot of this like a lot of the networks and corporations and companies that are making these tiny little changes. It's like, they're trying to throw their hat into the ring. And then I think my fear, my personal fear is that they're going to walk away and that's all they're going to do. Yeah, totally. Like it's kind of like Hulu 
Hulu takes off that one episode of the Golden Girls mm-hmm. because they clearly have mud on their face and they're like, you know, it, it's, you know, you have to see the episode if you haven't seen it and to understand like what happens. But the reality is, is that, you know, I don't, I mean, it makes me think of comedy differently. It makes me definitely question like how much of comedy is going to be in question starting from like, you know, even the seventies with, you know, all in the family, but it certainly is Hulu's way of saying like, Oh, we're going to pull this off. But the problem with that now is now people are going, okay, so I'm going to sit and watch Hulu for four days straight and see what else you guys can pull. Because if you're pulling that, we want more. And I think a lot of these corporations are just trying to throw their hat in the ring just to show that they care. And uh, and to, to listen, who you know what Hulu should do? Mm-hmm. They should hire more people of color to work for them. They should they should make sure that there's more opportunity for people of color working for their company. Like that's where they should be evaluating. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. So then you have these companies that are putting out these generic statements that they. Um, support Black Lives Matter or, you know, they want to get involved in diversity and inclusion or they're throwing money at these organizations. And when you take a look at the money that they're throwing at, whether it's colleges or different um, activist organizations, it's like a drop in the bucket to what they really could do. Do you know what I mean? Um, And you're absolutely right. Like, yeah, thank you for this uh, generic... Mm-hmm. A pledge. Let me see your board. Let me see yeah. your C-suite. Who's making decisions? Then you know what I mean. It, yeah. So when yeah. you look and it's just like, oh, fantastic! It's a bunch of white people, or mm-hmm. it's a bunch of old white men. Because here in the South, I live in Atlanta. You know, um, there's this term called the good old boys, right? Mm-hmm. And those are the people running a lot of the corporations here. Old white men making decisions, and they're completely disconnected from the communities that they're representing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they only call in, they only call in people of color when they need some sort of representation or to meet their not... bottom line so that they can mm-hmm. say in the end, at the end of the year in their annual report, Hey, we, we, we made this initiative. We tried, we have mm-hmm. a, a diversity board. I mean, right. it's, it's, um, it's offensive. Or a lot of companies, what they're showing more and more, especially now people are, like you said earlier, are starting to get woke, that a lot of corporations rely on certain communities to buy into certain products that they're that they're selling. And that's the only time they care about those communities. Yeah. Um, certain foods, certain clothing, whatever it is, that's, you know, just as they concern themselves with women or children, there's demographics they're concerned with. And that's the only time they come around. I know Colleen had a really good question for you because we were talking about like identity and how people identify themselves. Mm -hmm. And Colleen, what was, what was, because she had a way of putting it. Well, I was having a conversation with uh, one of my friends and we were talking about the term um, person of color or people of color. And I was remembering a, um, uh, a situation that I that I had um, one of my jobs uh, years ago, where a bunch of us we were sitting in in the staff lunchroom, and someone was telling us a story about a person that they knew, mm-hmm. and uh, referred to this person as a black person, and another individual at the table uh, interjected and and said, "Oh, you can't use that term, black. Uh, you need to use the term." Uh, African-Canadian because I'm I'm living in Canada right now 
Um, and there was a black person sitting at the table who happened to be hearing this conversation. And, you know, they said, you know, they didn't mind the term black. You know, he's not African. He said, I'm not African, so I don't want to be referred to as African Canadian. It just made me wonder what is it more of an individual preference as to what someone wants to be referred to as like do do you is it important to inquire similarly like we do uh, with when it comes to someone's pronouns for example yeah i think that people i think it's individual okay i, I don't mind being referred to as black or mm-hmm. african american I'm good with black. Okay. I, I And I don't want to speak on behalf of an entire race. I would like exactly. to think that majority of us are fine with black. Um, you know, uh, Fran brought up a, a point the other day. He was like, you know, I don't know if it was you or it just, or just referencing like a person from Jamaica was saying that they're not African-American, yeah. which is true. They're not. They're Jamaican. <laughs> yes. So they're black. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It is, um, you know, some people feel strongly about how they want to be referred to when it comes to race i think that majority of us are okay with being called black do you think in in the black community there are individuals who like the term person of color or people of color or is that just a non i i hate using the word the term white but is it like a i mean it's quite nondescript you know i i I mean person of color could be someone from india exactly you know Mm -hmm. what i mean person of color can be someone that's black person of color can be someone that's dominican middle eastern middle eastern like it it's pretty Mm. generic you know what i mean yeah 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 it's very it's interesting because you know as you know, listen, it's the same thing that we've talked about on the show before about pronouns, too. When we talk about gender pronouns or we talk about forms of respect and how you want to call people. You know, Morgan, if your name, you know, started with an X, but it was pronounced Morgan and I didn't know how to pronounce it. Mm-hmm. I think the respectful way of saying it is, excuse me, how do you pronounce your name? I think it's OK to ask people, you know how do you want me to refer to you? Like, I think being respectful and asking people, it's like, you know, if, if I call someone by the wrong name, or if, if I think their name is one thing and it's something else, it's like, you know, like I have, you know, I talk about some experiences that I've had with the transgender community. And I am the first person who will say to someone who's transgender, how would you like me to refer to you? How, Mm -hmm. what is the most respectful way in which I can speak to you? Because I'm expressing my ignorance. I don't live the life you live. I don't know how you want to be referred to. So I think it's okay. I think the problem is, is that we built this country specifically on thousands and thousands of years of the social um, idea that we can't speak about politics or religion. And this is why we don't know anything about each other. Right. And everybody feels like someone's going to break out of a cage like a wild animal as soon as (laughs) someone disagrees with your beliefs. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the only way we can learn about each other is if we start digging into the real personal parts of ourselves and ask the questions respectfully. 
and I say, would agree. hey, Morgan, I want to ask you a question about something I saw recently in a magazine. I am not a Black person. I am not a woman. I don't know what that is. Can you, I don't want to be disrespectful, but I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to open myself and understand. I don't think a lot of people do that. And that's a problem with our world. That's a problem, especially with our country, because you got a woman painting over the Black Lives Matter. Right. Like, did you see this woman, Colleen? Yes. Oh, I I saw it. Yeah. Yeah. And I just thought, like, I, I, I was just appalled. I really was. But the funny thing about her method was that she was just literally changing the letters from yellow yeah, to black. I know. It, it just was, absurd. Just absurd. But got, that's, you know, that that um, sort of audacity, that bravado, I can do whatever I want to do. No one's going to arrest me. No mm-hmm. one's going to put their knee on my neck. No one is going to kill me in broad daylight so I can do whatever mm-hmm. it is that I want to do. Because yeah. this is my because this is my America. Yeah. Yep. And you know, you know, sometimes we watch things in our country or we watch we watch things on the news that I think a lot of people who have not been mistreated, who have not had the experience that black people, African Americans, people of color, brown and black people have had, I think they don't think like a lot of like a lot of my friends who are not who have not had those experiences will also offer the idea hey i'm privileged so let me give you an example tonight mm-hmm. i finished watching the documentary that's on netflix about uh jeffrey epstein mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. now jeffrey epstein his story like from beginning to end i didn't before i even saw the documentary i knew about him and the whole time i'm watching this and i'm literally screaming at the tv for the four parts and the four parts, I'm not only screaming at the fact that he mistreated all these women mm-hmm. and what he did to them and sexually assaulted them and raped them. And, but I'm also screaming at the TV because he got off the hook because he was a rich white guy. Okay. Mm-hmm. And more yeah. so he got off the hook because he was a white guy, because the reality is, is that even if he was a billionaire black guy, he would not have been given the pass out like he was. And I'm sorry, but that's my opinion. And I know people who, yeah, but rich people always buy their way out. No, this guy was so connected to the white world that he literally was given the back door to get out and he got off the hook. Like granted, they murdered him at the end, which that's a Mm -hmm. whole other thing. But Mm -hmm. I really think like, dude, you, this would never have been a black guy. A black guy who raped all those women would never have gotten off the hook like this guy. A billionaire living on an island? No way. No yeah. way. It's white no America. Way. Yeah. So, but these are the things that I think people don't see. And, you know, when you watch a documentary like that, you know, no one says it. You know, they don't even have, like, even one interviewer who even goes, you know, if he was black, this wouldn't be happening. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's not one person who says, dude, this is privilege. Yeah. This is privilege. And that's the problem with our society is that people are, they're afraid of bringing it up because then it brings up more topics. It brings up more conversation and yeah. it brings up more challenge. Yeah. It's like opening um, Pandora's box. But just yes. to go back to something that you said, um, people not knowing certain things, like how should I address a black person or if they're wanting to learn more about a person's culture, 
whether it's someone that's black or trans or whatever, it's 2020. We're constantly connected. We're, mm -hmm. Our phones are always in our hands. Like, mm -hmm. there's no reason for anyone to remain ignorant, ignorant about anything yeah. at this point in time, whether you want to be educated on race or whatever. There are, there's a, a, a plethora of books that can be read. There's lots mm -hmm. of websites. There are just are so many resources out mm -hmm. there that people are ignorant because they want to be. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. yeah. There's no, there's no reason for, for, yes, it's great to have, you know, to, to ask the questions or, or, you know, have people ask you questions, whatever the topic is, but it's right there at your fingertips. Like no one wants to make that effort. It's just no lazy. one wants to make the effort and and for marginalized people to keep having to explain, explain, teach, teach. It is emotionally draining. There's yeah. an emotional fatigue that comes along with having to constantly not just educate, but like persuade people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, and this is a good segue because a lot of what I was thinking about today before you came on, because I really was excited about you coming on the show. Thank you. So he was, he was uh, doing a little no, bit of dance. I hope I'm well, doing okay. Oh my God. Yes. Oh my God. Why would you have to ask? <laughs> I mean, so, so, you know, it, it's something that we start to blur the lines, right? Because there's people who obviously have hate in their hearts and they're completely racist and they're completely mean and evil and angry and they do really shitty things. And then, then there's a lot of people out there who are white who are guilty of uh, cultural appropriation. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I want to, I really want to hit that topic because I personally, I'm going to put myself on the chopping block. I think that I have still sometimes have an issue with it because here's the thing. Artists appropriate all the time. Mm -hmm. Artists take ideas, they take cultures, they, they meld, they call it celebration, they call it inspiration, they call it homage. Um, so it's very difficult sometimes to know where that line is. Now, don't get me wrong. When someone tells me, hey, I'm offended because that white girl's walking around with cornrows. I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, I'm like, all right. If that offends you, I'm not going to not validate your feelings. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But I think that, I mean, are we all on the same page? Like sometimes it's hard to identify when it's appropriation and when it isn't because it's subjective. Sure. No. I think, yeah, sure. I think sometimes the lines are blurred. There are times when it isn't um, as blatant, but it's funny because when it comes to black culture, people love black culture, but they don't mm -hmm. love our causes. Yes. You know, they mm. love black culture. They love yep. black people. They have a black friend. Um, they love how black people talk. They like black people's music, whatever it might be but they don't want to be down for our causes or when we're looking for, I don't even want to say ally anymore because I feel like it's um, we're using it so much. I feel like it's losing like the true meaning to be an ally because mm -hmm. we're seeing all this performative shit happen, but it's like, yes, 
love our culture, be a part of it, but ride for us when we need your help. Yeah. Be down for us when you see us dying in the street. We need you. We can't do this by ourselves. Ride for us. Well, that's like, you know, all the white guys who are like, you know, like even the Italian Americans, which Colleen can tell you, they're like my favorite. And when (laughs) I say favorite, I am wearing um, a fragrance called sarcasm. Um, (laughs) Because literally when you watch a Spike Lee movie, I grew up with those people Mm -hmm. and, and I can tell you, they can come for me all they want because Mm -hmm. I promise you there is not many people, especially in the state of New Jersey who are as Italian as I am. So they can come for me. Mm -hmm. They can come for me with their Irish mothers. They can come to me with their Polish mothers because I'm a hundred percent Italian and first generation. I got nothing else. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when you come for me and say Christopher Columbus, I shut that shit down. Mm-hmm. Like it is, I shut that shit down so quickly. You think nobody paid the light bill. That's how quick I shut it down. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because that's number one. But also when you were saying about the celebration of black people, I have been in a room with Italian American guys who will say the grossest, nastiest shit, but they love their sports players. Mm-hmm. They love their, they love their football players. They Absolutely. Absolutely. Love, oh, so they're only good when you want to watch them. Play. Yes. Yes. We Listen, we can entertain. We can play sports. Listen, we can, you yep. can blast the music, please, please. Well, we have, we have a conversation in our house all the time because we always have this conversation about some experience or another that we have with an individual of, a, you know, of a pale complexion. Who will say, who will say something like, because I'm not trying to offend people, but I am. Mm-hmm. But but they'll say something like, Oh, do you know who's living in our neighborhood? Oh, do you know? And I'm always like, Yeah, but if that was Michelle and Barack, or if that was Jay-Z and Beyonce, even if the politics or the music weren't your thing, you still would be like, Oh, but they're famous. Those people, they're different. Right. That's what you hear all the time. Like, I remember in Montclair, there was a street where a friend of ours lived and there was a very like prestigious black family that moved in. And prior to them knowing how prestigious they were and what the husband did and what the wife did, it was literally like, oh, they're moving here. And then it suddenly it was like, oh, you're talking lawyer, doctor, executive money. Oh, it's different. This right. is different now. A shame. You know? Mm-hmm. So, but. But, you know, assimilation, um, assimilation, appropriation, all that kind of thing is is very challenging because as creative people, um, you know, creative people are, you know, we we thrive on the inspiration of things, you know, and also a lot of us wear things. We like things. We listen to things. And lots of times we don't know the origin. And there's a celebration for certain things, but then, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, sometimes and I brought up the thing about the cornrows because I've heard that before. I've actually heard women who said to me, that's offensive. I saw a black, I saw a white girl with cornrows. Cornrows or, were- or when they're referred to as Bo Derek braids, they're not Bo Derek braids. No. You know what no, I mean? That, that, no, they're not. Bo Derek didn't come up with this style. 
This style oh. originated from the motherland. This goes back centuries. These are not Boderic braids. I think one of the Kardashians may have called them that. I don't even know. But again, wow. it, it's about, it's fine to, to pay homage to a culture. And I think it's fine to be inspired by different cultures. I think it's also important to give respect where it's due when you're drawing inspirations from these different cultures. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's a constant debate and it's subjective in a lot of ways. I mean, I know a lot of people could be like, oh, it's cut and dry, it's not subjective. But Colleen and I, I was also thinking about this, Colleen, when you and I worked together back like I don't know six months ago and we did that shoot where you know we did the the homage to sort of the yogi yeah where we did kind of like you know the Tibetan yogi where I was wearing the marigold whatever you can go to my Instagram and see it and (laughs) and um but Colleen and I worked on that and it was you know we had no hate in our heart there was no level of whatever it really was like us creating this character and it was like in the back of our heads this white boy who is and we all know him that white boy who's like teaching a yoga class and changes his name to something and wants to suddenly be like i'm from like the middle of india and you're like dude no you're not (laughs) and i think a lot of it has to do with what with intention you know we had Mm -hmm. no intention of of offending or or mocking I, I think that's what a lot of it comes down to as well that some some individuals put on you know I'm going to use this this uh, example blackface and it's they're mocking when you're doing that it's you're mocking absolutely mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not, it's not. You're not paying any kind of homage. There's nothing respectful about. No, it. it's very disrespectful. It's highly offensive. And and it, you know, it's it's disgusting. And there's there's no there's no excuse for it. It's um, a but, supreme act of ignorance. One hundred. Yeah. Or but, as. But artists, you know, like going back to what we were just talking about, like we artists i think for the most part try to pay homage to other cultures in some way like i've seen artists recently um they did their because i think it was frida kahlo's birthday recently mm-hmm. uh, or or, or so, something was trending and um i saw a lot of her portraits uh online and and i think if it's done in a in a respectful way i think it's yeah. I don't, don't personally see anything wrong with it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But the great thing about America is most of, most people in America are not exposed to art. So we really don't have to have that debate because people start getting mad uh, when they start to see art, like on both sides of the fence, because, you know, it becomes popular and then something becomes offensive only when like a painting is popular. It becomes offensive because most people, as we always say in my house, when you go to art galleries all over the country, you always hear people speaking other languages because Americans don't go to art galleries. Right. Like there's a lack of exposure, not understanding the art, you know, and there's also this like, you know, this kind of like Kara Walker. Like I remember going to one of her exhibits and she does a lot of the silhouettes and she does a lot of storytelling about slaves and the struggle of slaves and lynchings and rapings and 
her there's this juxtaposition with her art where it's like it's really dark and it's really gloomy and it's really a scary time but at the same time the way she does it is so childish and beautiful because she cuts out these silhouettes by hand but i remember someone having some problem with it in the magazine saying like it was like a white person wrote an article saying it was outright racist and i'm like actually she's just telling the story about like her history and her culture and, you know, she's a super educated artist and understands that. But there was a controversy about it. Like, you know, how is she able to tell the story and a white person can't? Like, that's where the, sto- that's where the dialogue starts. Mm. That's the springboard. Um, but, you know, my favorite topic of all, as we talk about, you know, appropriation, um, I'm sure Colleen is smiling already, is... <laughs> is um, the one and only Rachel Dolezal. Oh. <laughs> you know what? I don't even know a ton about Rachel Dolezal. Oh, I'll help you. But I know, like, how long did that stint last with her pretending to be Black? She was well, doing she's, it she's still pretend- Oh, she's still doing it. Yeah, I, she, yeah she, um, she um, was doing it for quite some time. I think that somebody, somebody did not like her. Like somebody, she, I mean, she got loud with the wrong person. And I think that that person kind of like was like this one and found out that she wasn't black. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and she was walking around with the curl and stuff. Like I saw, that. And I saw was, her, I saw her yeah. photos and I. I mm. So she, the documentary is, is superior because you know it really shows her in a light that's interesting but uh she changed her name because she went from rachel ann dolezal she legally changed her name to enkechi amari diallo wow yeah identity crisis okay so so the thing is is that and i've had this conversation with colleen so when you see the documentary, right, mm-hmm. there's people tearing her down for the obvious reasons. You know, they feel like she's making a mockery, you know, and she tends to hide behind the idea of feeling like she has this identity. This is how she was born, even though she wasn't born like that on the outside, or maybe she wasn't genetically born that way. She feels like this is who she should be. So it's, it brings up a really interesting conversation about it. Like, because, you know, I know you said you don't know a lot about it, Morgan, but mm-hmm. like, what are your thoughts about that? Like when you heard that story? I immediately thought to myself, that's, she's having quite the identity crisis, but it's unfortunate that she's misled so many people to believe that she's one way and she's yep. not. Like the lie, the fraud, because it's fraudulent Mm -hmm. behavior. Okay. So there's, there's a couple of things now. There's a couple like counter arguments, like and articles that I've read because I dove into this because I felt her story was so unique because she spent so much time. Did her parents disown her or something? She had a very uh, troubled childhood. Okay. But like after... Like this whole, and you have to, I mean, you know more about her than I do. I I feel, I vaguely remember, I feel like I remember um, her parents being a part of her outing or 
-hmm. They were not happy with the fact that she was portraying herself in this way. Okay. So it brings up a couple of questions because some of the articles and I'm going to, you know, first of all, I'm going to put it out there. I'm going to go in and say the disclaimer. I don't necessarily agree with some of these things, but I do want to bring it up because it was interesting and it made me think. Um, Obviously, goes without saying, some people are saying, let's identify her mental illness for being mental illness, okay? She may have some mental illness, something. But Mm -hmm. the other counter argument that a psychologist had was, you know, it's the same thing on a lot of levels as when we look at someone who's trans. I knew it is born with a certain gender identity or excuse me, assigned at birth with a certain gender, but that is not the gender that they are. So how do we tell someone that's not who you are based on what we're seeing? Because that's the same thing we do to trans people. I don't know. I feel like gen, I mean, I'm not an expert in this by any means, but I feel like gender and race are two completely separate issues Mm-hmm. Okay. Like I have an I have a niece. Mm-hmm. Well, I should say a nephew. Like I mean, from the time she was little, mm-hmm. she always wanted her hair short. She wanted to wear boy clothes. Now she's in her late teens, and she has fully transitioned into a male. I I don't I I don't I'm not convinced. But again, I'm not educated on this topic, and this is something that I would need to research. But I'm okay. not convinced that gender and race work in the same way mm-hmm. so here's my here's my other colleen i know you got something i can feel it <laughs> he can feel it colleen no 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 i i 100 agree about uh the difference between race and gender it's um and and i will i will say that while i you know i have some transgender friends mm-hmm I still don't know everything that I can possibly know with regards to, to their experience. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's still a learning, you know, process for me as well. And that's where, you know, like we said earlier, you, you go and you seek out that information. Okay. Um, well, I got a really, I have a really good, cause you know, one of my secret hobbies would be to be like a, um, uh, an attorney. So one, I would love to be just like a trial attorney. So this is something I would bring up in court to ask questions as an aha. Now, would this conversation change about Rachel Dolezal if she got a 23 in me and found out that she was 87, 87% Kenyan, 87% some part of country, some country in Africa that the majority of her genetics came from there. Do you think people would think differently? I, I, I don't know. I don't. How do you think about it? If you heard that her genetics were primarily like of some African origin. Okay. Let me, I'm going to use myself as an example. Sure. Uh, my sister, she did the 23 and me. So whatever her results are, are going to be the same for myself and my other sister. Mm-hmm. I've got sisters. So um, I'm, I'm Lebanese. My parents were born in Lebanon. Uh, I, my sisters and I were, were all born here in Canada. 
um, we got, she got the, the test done and it came back like 98% or something like that um, of Turkish descent. And the one, the, the one uh, percentage or fraction of, of a percent that was very interesting, but not surprising because when you think about, you know, evolution and how, how the world was, you know, <laughs> came about, uh, I am part, teeny minuscule part, Somalian. I can, can I can see that. You can see that, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's why I but like do you. you. Are, but do you boast that you're Somalian? No, because I'm not. <laughs> right. I don't think that it's wrong. Like, if, if she came back predominantly um, with African ancestry, I mean, who, we can't deny her, right? Yeah. You know, it is what it is. But I could do the same thing and like I could have, you know, yeah. um, 24% of my heritage be Eastern European, but I am not Eastern European. And I can, I, even if it said you are 48% Ghanaian, mm-hmm. I, 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 fantastic. I would be, I would, I, I would be ecstatic. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know anything about the Ghanaian culture and I probably would um, be a fool if I ran around town saying I'm Ghanaian. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the Italians are hoping I get to 23 and me and that I'm not Italian. I think... <laughs> <laughs> you got to do it now. Listen, a, a reveal on one of our podcasts. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Colleen can tell you that after all the shit I talk about them, they probably are sitting there going this one again. <laughs> this one again. They're ready to get rid of you. Yep. They're disowning I mean, me. I'm the same with like the Middle Eastern culture. Like I don't identify with it in any way other than the food. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> you, know? you well, you know what you do. What I do about my culture is that Italians are held so so on high, right, with the Italian American culture. But a problem with Italian Americans is that they don't really understand Italian American culture. They're just like they think it's the you know, the moots and all that stuff that you and me talk about. But it's like, you know, I had one guy telling me he was wearing like white sneakers and he was like, oh, you know, I'm like the Europeans. I wear the white sneakers. And I was <laughs> like, I was like, I'm going to tell you right now, if, have you ever been to Italy? And he's like, no. I said, you walk off the plane in white sneakers, they will kick you in the neck. Because <laughs> Italian men only wear white sneakers when they're going to the gym. Okay. That's just, they don't, they don't rock like that. Okay. So I, you know, it's, it's funny because even politically speaking, it makes me so angry when I meet these Italian Americans that are like these staunch Republicans. And I'm like, that's not our people. That's not what we do. There's a whole history of Italian Americans. When Italians came to, uh, came to America, they were, they were basically, you know, enforced as if missionaries, Republic missionaries came towards them and wanted them to convert because they came to this country expecting to be Democrats. And then there were other Italians who had already become Republicans who said, you've got to become a Republican so you can fit in. So you don't become the lesser class. You've got to play the game with the wasps. You got to get up here with the wasps. Right. Mm -hmm. So 
And that's what happened in our culture. But when you talk to a lot of Italian Americans, they want to hide behind being Italian because it's so cool, but they don't know anything about it. And right. Colleen and I like to call, call our people out, you know? We do. <laughs> well, the beauty is that you guys, at least, you know, you can talk about your culture. You know how deep rooted it is. And you think about black Americans mm-hmm. and we really know nothing about our culture. Yep. Yep. But that's also because look at how much our society sucks. Like even sending our kids to school, don't learn anything, you know, like I was telling you, Morgan, about, you know, Juneteenth, you know, the number of people who just learned about it this past, you know, June, like, like, wow, I didn't know that that was a thing. And I'm like, yeah, it was a thing. And it's been a thing for quite some time, quite some time, but you know, you don't learn about it in school and um, if I'm being quite honest, I wasn't, it wasn't talked about in my house growing up and I'm sure it wasn't talked about in a lot of black, uh, families in their households growing up. But again, we have this explosion of knowledge that's taking place. And mm-hmm. while I might've like went to a cookout on 4th of July last year and for every other year before that, this year was very different for me. And it's very different. It's been very different. I think for a lot of people. What's important is that those, you know, we're not shamed for it because there mm-hmm. is that sort of um, vibe and energy that's taking place to like, oh, now, now you want to be celebrating Juneteenth. Or I saw um, a tweet where Colin Kaepernick posted that he was celebrating Juneteenth. And then there was this, I don't know who it was, some white guy. They may have been important, may not. I don't, I don't know. But basically, they were like, oh, now you're celebrating Juneteenth when look at this tweet from you a few years ago and you were saying happy Fourth of July to everybody. But it's when you know better, you do better. Yeah. When you know better, you do better. When I mean, listen, some of us have been sleeping. Some of us just didn't Uh know. But Uh now we're aware and we're like, fuck your holidays. But also, you know, in my opinion, even way before all of this, like I always tell people, if you think I'm full of shit, go into my Instagram and you can go back three years. Okay. You know, Mm -hmm. pre-George Floyd, I've been on the bandwagon. I've been, you know, I've been screaming at people and telling them assholes for not understanding Mm -hmm. shit. I know. So so here's the thing. This is very interesting. I remember reading an article probably about five or six years ago. And it was, um, they, they did a survey. They asked 10 black women and 10 white women to rate themselves on beauty from a scale from one to 10. Okay. Every black woman rated themselves 10 and every white Mm -hmm. woman rated themselves under five. And here's Mm -hmm. the reason why, because white media has been predominant and white women always model themselves after models where black women modeled themselves after their mothers, their grandmothers, their aunts, Mm -hmm. their sisters, because Mm -hmm. those were their role models because there weren't role models on TV. There weren't black women in Sports Illustrated. There weren't like, you know, and that was it. I mean, unless you had Essence or had some magazine that focused on primarily on black beauty, you really didn't see yourself. So where did you find it? So now, you know, white women kind of just ate their own ass on this one because they so wanted themselves to be in magazines, but the girl in the magazine is like a size zero and hasn't had um, a glass of water since July, you know, 20, 2008, <laughs> you know? So my thing is, is that 
you know, these are things that people don't realize. And we don't look over the fence. Like white people don't ever know what's going on in black culture until it's like a hip hop star, a cool TV show with black people. Or, you know, like no one's really like Juneteenth. I can guarantee you many people learned about that who were watching Blackish. Because it was one of the first first shows I ever saw that really explored it. Very possible. And Mm -hmm. and it's interesting. And I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. But the other, but you know, the other side of it is not true because black people do know about white culture because the media, the. It's in our face. It's all we have. It's all we know. It's oversaturated. Absolutely. Um, You saw that thing online with Viola Davis where she was talking about how she is as big as like so many of the other white actresses out there. Yeah, Meryl Streep. Yep. Susan Sarandon. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's Sigourney Weaver. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you know, it's interesting because even Hollywood is supposed to be such a creative community, but it's like so capitalistic and misses the mark every single time, you know? And racist. Yes. They miss the mark every single time. They always have like one year where they give like every black person the award and then they go 15 years without giving another black person an award. They're just trying to placate at that at that particular moment, because, you know, if if I wish that I'm sorry to cut you off, Colleen. Oh, that's okay. I think it was this year or last year. It's like every fucking year. But I think it was this year when there were no black nominees whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I or maybe it was last year. I I don't know. Everything's a blur in the yeah. time of COVID, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, but there were no Black nominees. And I really, really wished that no people of color would have showed up on the red carpet they or to that event at all. I feel like there should have been a massive boycott. We're not coming. We're not showing up. You don't care about us. There's no need for us to be here. Exactly. Well, I, I get, you know, on that same note was the year that they had the Me Too right awards and to me it was like that year to me yeah as a man watching that i'm going the hypocrisy in that because the women that were there you know the ones who've had surgery and the ones who had whatever augmentation done to their body so that they could be more appealing to the industry i'm like what hypocrisy what hypocrisy is happening here? And I think those women that year should have been like, all the dudes will be here. We, we're not going. We're not going, you yeah. know? Um, and then you would have thought after that year that there would have been more attention to the work that women were doing and more money put into female projects. And But it still ain't there. And nope, nope. And, you know, I think about the number of Black actors that are in Hollywood. You know, people tend to think there aren't as many. Yeah, there are. They just don't get roles. They don't get as much jobs. And when they do get a job, I don't think the Academy recognizes it because you've got this over-glaring light of Meryl Streep and, like, the usuals. 
you know? The usual. The usuals. And I'm so, as an actor, I can tell you, I was sick of watching those shows when I see somebody win the Academy Award twice in a row. I'm like, stop. Just stop. Like, come on. Judy Dench breathes and she gets an award. mm -hmm. (laughs) It it makes you feel like there's only this shallow pool of talent Mm -hmm. that, you know, when that's not the case. There's Yeah, it's not the case. No, it's... It's sad. You know, and, it's um, it's the um it's the academy that is the, the people that what is it? It's the uh um I'm trying to think of the people that are the judges, the voters, mm-hmm. the the council, it's mm-hmm. they're shallow. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that the talent is shallow. I think they they're short sighted. Yep. yep. Or maybe it's not even that they're short sighted, maybe it's intentional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe there's you, just some intent mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts about like <clears throat> What is it that you feel like influential Black artists, actors, what do you think they could be doing differently? Do you think there's something that they could be doing differently? Because I have a friend, I have a friend who is, you know, she constantly, you know, she's, she's great. Like she has really great commentary about like Hollywood and like, you know, more of what people should be doing. But do you think their hands are tied or do you think they should be doing more? I don't think their hands are tied. And I don't know. Um, you know, what's funny. I don't know if you guys saw that Dave Chappelle video that he put out recently. Yeah, I did. And, and you know, in that video, he's like, you know, um, Don Lemon is like, people need to come out. They need to do more. They need to do more. And, and Chappelle is like, do you guys want to hear from celebrities? Yeah. No. Like, would you feel better if I, I, if you heard from me, like me? Mm -hmm. No, not really. Yeah. Not really. Now I do appreciate, like to me, put your money where your mouth is. This is affecting your community. You're the one with the capital. We may not see you out on the streets protesting, but I'll be damned if there aren't all of these different activist organizations, many of them grassroots that are trying to do what's right Mm -hmm. for these black and brown communities. Yeah. help fund help support and i believe many of them are yeah i read that i read today that jay-z bought ad space in um i'm not sure what newspaper but to promote black businesses or well, um you have well look at look at what's happening near you in atlanta look at, i mean you know <sighs> love love him or hate him i mean tyler perry has done a lot yeah you know support yeah absolutely you can't deny what people when people are helping others, whether you like his art or not, mm-hmm. he's about his people. Right. Right. And he should be, because you know what? Um, when you feel like, a, I personally have always been like, when you feel like a certain group is being ignored, if you have an opportunity to get behind it, get behind it, you know, help mm-hmm. it, you know, help mm-hmm. that, help that movement, whatever it is. Um, but I certainly feel like, I, I just guess, you know what, like, I was having this conversation with my friend and I I don't even want to say like exactly what she said, but I'm paraphrasing. She was just really annoyed with the fact that she felt like the black community wasn't doing enough in the arts, in, in, in movies to like create their own companies and make more films and hire more black actors. And, you know, you know, um, but I guess I guess my counter argument was, you know, I'm not I don't have the experience that they have. So I don't know what's happening behind closed doors. 
I don't know what their capabilities are. You know, there's very few Oprah's, you know, who can do whatever she wants to do. I don't know how powerful a lot of people are that might seem powerful. Maybe Hollywood doesn't give them much power. I don't know. I think that's when you're, I think that's why we're starting to see some people create their own, like Tyler Perry and who he employs or Ava DuVernay with um, many of the shows that she uses, like Queen Sugar, Mm -hmm. for instance, Mm -hmm. using um, not only people of color, but women. Yeah. To direct. I think she's great. I think 13th was, was awesome. Stellar. That was so good. Stellar. I I been you um, know, I watched that when it first came out, and then I also saw the other interview afterwards with her and Oprah, and I was telling people I was promoting that from back in the day. I'm like, when that first came on, I was like, that was really good because I had known about that, but the way she puts it, you know. Yeah. But I think the but I think the right people, the people who need to see it, aren't seeing it. They're not watching that documentary. No, no, they're not. And it is very poignant. It's very informative. I think everyone should watch it. But even like to your point, like, I, I mean, Beyonce, I love Beyonce. I, 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 I'm afraid to even say I might stand for her a little bit. But even she has created her own entertainment um, business company, Parkwood Entertainment, mm-hmm. which has film, music, I mean, I think there are plenty of people and I, I don't, again, this is, not, I'm not an artist, I'm not in the arts, but there are lots of black owned companies out there and people trying to forge their way. But it's hard when you have to work a hundred times harder than mm-hmm. Meryl Streep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To, Vi- to Viola Davis's point. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's all about that, you know, like look at even Beyonce. It's like, you know, I remember the year when <clears throat> she lost to Adele for lemonade she lost she lost that year that grammy um and i certainly can see the perspective of the industry because i remember reading an article which was so totally true they were like the numbers don't lie because adele hurt she was played on white stations black stations and light stations so, mm-hmm. and Beyonce was only played on black stations. Like Z100 in New York doesn't even play Beyonce. Okay. They, they don't even play her. Like, so the reality is, is that she didn't get as much play. But when you listen to both albums, you're kind of like, even from an artist's perspective, you're like, yeah, Beyonce's album was like 1,000 times better. Like, but. And the movie that came with it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So. You know, the visual album. Right. But, you know, I think that also Beyonce, you know, she had that moment where she was standing on the line, you know, where she had the black community who was like, you haven't said anything yet. And then you had the white community that was kind of like, oh, no, please, please don't go there. And when she's laying on a police car that's floating in the water. You know, right. to make like commentary mm-hmm. about like Katrina. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think white people lost their minds. They lost their minds when she, uh, she looked like her group looked like the Black Panthers at the Super yeah. Bowl. That's people right. Lost their mind. I did a whole thing on, on in one of my comedy shows. When I came to Canada, Colleen, I did that. I opened with 
Americans being so ridiculous, freaking out about Beyonce. And I said, they were fucking Girl Scouts. They weren't Black Panthers. Like that was my whole punchline because Americans were like, oh my God, she's a Black Panther. (laughs) I love Beyonce. She's very strong when it comes to representing the Black culture. And she like pumps us up. Even with her last song, Black Parade, even yeah. with her homecoming, it's just like she is such a supreme example of hard work, diligence, mm-hmm. and fuck the establishment. I'm going to do my own thing, yep. and I'm encouraging you guys. If I, I'm just a girl from Texas. If yep. I can do it, anybody can do it. Yep. Yeah. She is our inspiration. She is like our she's our icon. Uh-huh. She is like our messiah. I shouldn't say that, but I mean, she's someone that we, that, you know, the community <laughs> looks to, I mean, yeah. she's hey, amazing. Listen. Like she's hey, phenomenal. Listen. We all, we all got one. Okay. We exactly. One. Um, but I'll tell you when she's on the show, we'll have you come back. <laughs> have me come back. She's amazing. Yes. Well, yes. I, I'm thankful. Thank you for having, this is my first podcast. So I appreciate you thinking about me. Fran and Coco, and I, I thank you for having me um, share my little bit of commentary. Why thank don't you, you so uh, much. Do you have anything that you want to plug or promote? Do you want people to follow you on Instagram or you don't care? I don't care. You can. My um, Instagram handle is at Vivacious Morgan. Mm. Um, mm. If I were going to promote anything, I mean, since we're in this time of civil unrest and people are wanting to unite most people, um, some of the conversations that I've been having with my friends that are not black, if you want to be an ally, if you know, if you want to be a part of this movement, or if you're just trying to do better, have conversations at your dinner table with your friends and your family about race, about racism, what role you can play in dismantling some of these oppressive systems and what change can you truly foster during our lifetime? Mm, like what yes. conversation, if you're a parent, like how are you, tr- you know, raising your kids? What are you doing to um, make sure that they grow up to not be so fearful? Or, um, you know, this is a question I post to some of my white friends. What are you doing to raise your child so that they won't grow up and kill mine? Mm, yes. Know? So it's just like, again, if you have, if you're just, listen, if if you're going to talk about it, be about it Mm -hmm. and don't tolerate it, you know, don't tolerate racism from your friends and your family, have those difficult conversations. Um, and And don't be so quick to be defensive when you're listening to black people, because we're wanting to share our experiences with you. And if we're giving you that moment of vulnerability, please don't be defensive. Listen right. to understand. Listen to understand. Don't listen to respond. Listen and really hear what we're saying and take the time to do the research mm-hmm. and understand because black history is your history too. Yeah. Yeah. And and like I always say to you, my best advice to white people is if you can't correct people when they're being racist and go the fuck off on them like I do, then you should just leave the room. And let that person know you don't tolerate it. Because if you stand there and smile and laugh, they're going to think they're doing something that's okay. Right. You know, because you can't, there's certain things you can't do in front of me. And you know what? God damn it. If you're not a comedian, don't try to be funny. 
Don't try to right. money around right. me. Because I'm always right. telling people, go get a fucking stage. I did that for over 15 years. Go fucking get a stage. Yep. Go get a stage. Because yep. mm-hmm. you're not fucking funny. Go work out your shit because you're not ready. That's it. So Let them know. Let them know, friend. But I'm glad that Colleen got to meet you. Nice to meet yeah. you, Colleen. Thank you so much for joining us. And I, I really uh, appreciate and... Uh, you know, everything that you discussed and uh, it's just, we've got to continue. We all have to continue from here. We've all got to do our part mm-hmm. and continue learning and understanding and listening, 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 listening is very, yeah. very important. Yes. And, yes. You're and, right. And put, and put your money where your mouth is. Put like, your money where your mouth yeah. is. I'm like, if you, you know, have $5, donate it. There are, you know, know what I mean? Donate to a cause. Listen, everybody you, has a lane. Right. Find a and, lane. Yep. And I'm telling everybody, you know, I've I have focused. I, listen, I'm not going to try to make men mad, but I've been focused on black female owned businesses, and yes. I've been posting it on my Instagram. Like there is a candle burning right now that you know. You go to my Instagram. Listen, I saw. I'm constantly saw. posting my 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 buddies because I got all my buddies. My Daria Sings is my buddy. She makes my beard stuff. That is my girl. She's the greatest singer. Like I got, listen, I'm supporting because I I believe in the fact that it's harder for these women to run their business, you know? And I am such a big mouth because when you send me a product and I love it, oh my God, forget it. I'm already telling those girls, I'm like, man, can we make some commercials? I want to be in your commercials. <laughs> um so yeah so morgan thank you so much and i know Colleen thank you totally, she was totally starstruck before you called stop <laughs> it stop it yep so well, not gonna you guys are see- sweet well thanks for being our guest host yes you, the, you guys you take good care be safe yes. you as well all right and you have a great night you too bye-bye bye-bye bye